7.6 billion. Now that's a big number. That's how many people there are on Earth. In the U.S. alone, estimates say that out of 328 million, there are nearly 246 million lost souls, men, women, boys, and girls that don't know Jesus. Those numbers seem big, but what if we were to focus on the number one? The Bible tells us that heaven rejoices every time one person comes to know Jesus. What if we were to focus on the daily conversations, those everyday meaningful interactions for Christ that can truly make an eternal difference in someone's life? We can reach our nation with the gospel. We can reach the millions. We can reach our friends and family and neighbors by starting with one. Who's your one? So let's start with a question today again. Not who's your one. That, that's where we'll finish. But are you one? Are you one person that you would say you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, if you are really asked today, do you know Jesus Christ personally? Would you have an absolute no doubt in your mind that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Could you leave the room today with an absolute certainty that you know him, that he has died for your sins, that by his blood you are healed, that you are being led by him as the Lord of your life? Can you leave today saying with absolute certainty, yes? If that is an affirmative yes, then there is something that happens in that moment. You are changed, you are led, and you are called all at one time. Maybe you didn't know this, but when you came to know Christ, you were forgiven, you were given a new master, you are no longer your own, Jesus is the Lord of your life, and you are given a calling to share Jesus with all of those around you. Now, if at some point in your walk that hasn't happened, you do not know Jesus. Jesus never, ever left somebody with the knowledge of who he was without change. He always called people, once they came to know him, to a radical change of life. He always called them to run away from sin. If at some point in your life you have not had that moment, today is your day. Today's your day. So I want to give you an opportunity to do something radically different than we normally ever do at church. I'm just going to ask for a few friends, maybe they're deacons, deacons' wives, to do me a favor. I'm going to ask for you just to go to the back of the room and sit on one of the back pews back there. Y'all can move anytime you want. Go ahead. Not all at once. Anyways, during the service today, if at any point in this sermon you would say, you know what? I can no longer stand here. I need Jesus. Here's what you're going to be able to do. You're going to be able to go to one of these people in the back of the room. Here's what I want you to do. If that is you and you need Jesus Christ, here's how I want you to go to the back of the room. I just want you to put your hand on your heart like this. That'll be the indicator to our deacons and their wives to, to stop you and to find you. Okay? Just this. They're already back there. They're waiting. They're going to be praying for you. They're going to be asking that God would speak into your life, that God would change your life. Because we believe this, that you should not leave the room today without Jesus Christ. There is no reason why 
you can't know him. You have not gone too far. You are not too old. You are not too young. You have not done enough stuff. You are not too broken. You are not too far gone. Jesus can save our lives. Here's what's more. He is that good and that powerful that people are willing to get up in the middle of church and walk to the back of the room just to talk to you. By the way, didn't even cue them to do that just until that moment. I didn't send out a text this morning and say, hey, Deacons and wives, I'd really like for you to walk to the back of the room. Didn't happen. They just know that in that moment, they want to be the people that share Jesus with you. So here's your moment. It starts right now. If you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you, you have known about him, you've heard about him, but you've never made him Savior and Lord of your life, you have never come to the point of putting aside all of you for all of him, this is your Sunday. You don't even have to walk the aisle this way. You can walk it that way. So there's nothing powerful, by the way, about these steps. They're wood. They were built by men. There's nothing powerful about this guy. I'm just another sinner saved by grace who just has the wonderful calling and opportunity to preach this morning. But you and I have the same thing in common. We all are broken people who need Jesus Christ to save our lives. So today, if that's you, you don't have to wait till an invitation. Instinctively, just pow, go to the back of the room. Somebody's going to find you. Somebody's going to pray for you. And today is your day to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So before we go any further, let's pray again. Father God, that is my prayer that a sermon wouldn't do it. Lord, that the music wouldn't, wouldn't help it. But God, by your power, by your strength, and by your might, God, that you would open the hearts of men and women, boys and girls in this room. God, that by your spirit, you would lead them to turn from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Lord, that you would open their ears, and God, that they would hear from you for the first time. And God, that there would be nothing they could do but walk backwards and find someone to ask them, how can I know Jesus? Lord, I pray that you would just bind away the enemy who wants people to live in fear and defeat and in sin. And Lord, we just declare that we are called to live differently than that. God, we are called to live more than just an okay life. We were called to live a life that's abundant. Lord, we are to be victors. God, we are to live in you, led by you, forgiven by you. Lord, Jesus is the true way. Because of his death, burial, resurrection, and living today, we can have a hope in him. By his blood, our sins are washed clean, and we can live in victory. So, Lord, let this day not slip by us, but may we be captivated by the fact that you still are in the work of saving people's lives. Lord, may you do it today. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was growing up, I can remember singing a song, and I, it was one of those songs that every so often would just get all over me. I don't know why, but it was one of those hymns. And then I figured it out this week. You see, when I go into studying in my office, I go to YouTube and I, I throw on a worship mix. Uh, partly it's because it changes my mindset. For a few times, I go to YouTube for this because I want to see who's worshiping. And so for a few videos, I watch them worship and then I go into sermon prep. 
And this week, Andre Crouch came on. And as he was singing, he sang some words that reminded me of my growing up. It, it stirred my soul, and it reminded me why. Because it's so rich. It is so real over my life. It reaches to the highest mountains, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. That's true for me. Man, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I have to be reminded that I am not good enough for this office. And that when I really realize that there is nothing in me that deserves heaven, only by Jesus' love, only by his forgiveness, the richness of him, that's what drives me and it's what fuels us. Not only does the blood of Christ forgive us, it fuels us, it drives us, it reminds us that there are those around us that have never experienced that forgiving power. There's those around us that have never felt what it feels like to wake up forgiven. There's some of those in this room that have never left church fulfilled. They've come for the music. They've come for a sermon. They've come for their children. But they keep leaving Sundays unfulfilled. And they wonder why. Why is it that some people, when they leave church, they go, man, that was a good Sunday. Because it's not about how fiery the pastor can be or how great the worship can be. It's about did Jesus really affect you or did you just come to church? You see, there's going to be people waking up in your office tomorrow who are going to walk through the halls of your school tomorrow. Whether you go to a public or to a Christian school who do not know Jesus. They will wake up and they will be hindered by the fact that they have no idea what it feels like to be forgiven. They will go to bed tonight with no assurance that if their eyes don't open that they will spend eternity with Jesus. And the fact that we can go to sleep tonight and be okay with that is beyond me. How rich is Jesus' blood for us? And how far did he bring us? From the brink of spiritual death into life. He doesn't just give you forgiveness. He gives you life. And in that life, he doesn't want you to be idle. Or you will become an idol. You will find that the mirror will tell you that you're good enough and have done enough. It is why we are seeing less and less people following after Jesus' heart because there's less and less people currently doing it. How is it that we see people instinctively do things like running 5Ks? Because other people are doing it. There's nothing in my heart that makes me want to go start trying to run a 5K. How about you? I mean, there, there's nothing in my world that goes, you know what? I just woke up this morning and decided... I'm going to go run a 5K today. If that happens, I have gone mentally ill. <laughs> but you know what would happen? If I woke up tomorrow morning and Jesse Moreland's standing on my front porch with eight people and they're like, let's start running. Come on, fat boy, let's go. 
I'd be like, no, and they'd be like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because people that run like people to run with them. And so they get me out there, and we start running. Of course, they would leave me by like half mile one, right? But I'm out there, and I'm like, I don't want to lose anymore. And then I'd get faster, and I'd run longer. But see, this is the problem, that people don't see a need for Jesus because they don't see people after his heart. But that's not to be true of us. Let's run. Let's dive in. Let's pursue him. Let's show people that we love Jesus by talking about him. Today, as we look at the passage, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 1, listen to these words. Now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold on to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to scriptures, and they appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me is not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you believed. We must start by identifying if our faith has purpose. Does your faith have purpose, or is it in vain? Listen, some of you are like me. You grew up in church. I mean, I was a bed baby in the nursery at church, and I'm still here. Maybe you're just like me. You, you were there for the flannel graph. You were there for when music videos, Christian music videos came out. Maybe you were there for moments where we had massive revivals and people came every night. Maybe you were there. Maybe you're like me, and you've heard the message of Jesus told over and over and over again, but nowhere in that time have you ever made a decision for him. My question is this, what are you believing in? Because there's a belief system in you, you just don't know what it is yet. Maybe it's that you believe that you will follow after Jesus when your kids are grown. Maybe it's you'll follow after Jesus when you can finally retire. Maybe it's you'll follow after Jesus after he gives you a hundred on that test that you didn't study for. Believe me, you won't follow after him. You see, here's the problem. We give Jesus all these equations of when we will do something for him. But he never gave us that. You see, he died for the sins of men, knowing full and well that there would be people that would never pursue him. How rich is that kind of death? That God would so love the world that he would send his only son to die so that they might have an opportunity through him. And many would choose not to. They would hear the gospel time and time again. They would keep putting it off. They would keep waiting for another day. And they would never pursue him. God is so good that he doesn't strike us dead when we say no. Because there are so many times we've done it. 
But what about your faith? Are you saying today that you believe you have heard and you have placed your faith in him? If that's true of you, if you have placed your hope and trust in him, today you should be sustained by him and you should be led by him and you should be going for him. We should be changed by him. At some point, we should be led to speak about him and do his work. If our lives don't look like scripture, it's not God's doing, it's ours. So let me give you three key statements of Jesus that a believer must maintain that Paul gives us. Three key things that he says in this passage that we must maintain. Number one, Jesus died for the sins of man. He says it here, Jesus died according to the scriptures. He fulfilled exactly what the scripture said about him. Here's what's more. Jesus was buried and rose again the third day. He fulfilled scripture completely and he was trustworthy in all of his movements. But that's not enough. He lives. Jesus lives. Do you believe that? One more time, church. Do you believe that Jesus lives? Okay, with that in mind, if we believe that Jesus is alive, and we believe that he knows the hearts of men, he knows the number of our days, he knows the outcome of our lives, and he knows your inner thoughts, today let's remind ourselves that if he lives, he is here. And if he is here, he knows the truth about you and I. And he knows if we know him or not. What's more is believers, he knows if we will pursue him or not. What's more is he knows if you will talk about him or not. I think the reason that we're seeing Christianity starting to dry up on the vine is we're not connected to the vine because it bears fruit. Those of us in Christ bear fruit. That's what scripture says. If we don't bear fruit, we can't be a part of him. So the question again is, do you know him? Do you know him? Your fruits will tell you out. Because you're going to bear his fruit. And if you don't, you're bearing somebody else's fruit. And that's not his. So as we look at this passage, those three key things. Jesus died for the sins of man. Jesus was buried and rose on the third day. And Jesus lives. Let me just tell you, that's evangelism. But let me tell you the next thing in that. Is it true to you? Because if it's not true to you, you'll never share those three things. All of my life, I've heard ways to share my faith. I told you last week, I had what would Jesus do bracelets. I made at VBS one year the rainbow bracelets. Y'all remember these? Black is your sin. Red is the blood of Christ. White is what he washes you. Blue is baptism that you do after you come to know Christ. Green is you growing in him. Yellow is the streets of gold one day that you'll know when you go to heaven. There's a knot on one side that's the day you're born. There's a knot on the other side that's the day you die. What are you going to do while you're here? And I can remember learning that. I, I learned sharing Jesus without fear. We did street evangelism through Mexico. We, man, I've, I've done it. You've done it. We've done it. But then we stopped it as though it ran its course. The greatest lie in church today is this, that people no longer want to hear about Jesus. That's a lie. 
They're desperate for Jesus. They just don't even know it. They're pursuing so much in their life. They're pursuing wealth. They're pursuing relationships. They're pursuing futures and retirements and all this stuff. They're trying to accumulate because they're dying. They're in water and they're, they're just going to the bottom of the lake. And they're going, can anything save me? And we're sitting with Jesus and going, I'm safe. I'm saved. I'm good. Good luck. How much hate is that? We live in a generation right now that's talking about hate openly. Hatred of homosexuals, hatred of transgenders, hatred of women, hatred of races. But how much do we have to hate to never show them Jesus? The one thing that can save them, the one thing that can rescue their lives. How much hate is that? Because if we don't show Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, we have to hate them. The question of the church today is this. Do we really, really hate people? Because how much hate must it take to stand safe and see people drowned spiritually? Oftentimes in my office, I'll have a parent come by and share with me that their children have walked away from faith. They'll say things like they started making bad choices, found the wrong friends. And they just got down a wrong path, and they they don't come to church anymore. I want you to see something, parent. I want you to see something that I believe may give you hope. Is that you today? Were you that kid that went too far, that made the wrong choices, that ran away from faith? And that today you would say, you know what? I'm back. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this room? Is that you? Went too far, felt like I was too far gone? Thank you for that. Thank you for your boldness. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is not done. He is not finished. Let's quit giving things that are Jesus' business a period at the end of it. He is not done yet. He's not done and so when you see that coworker that's gone too far, when you see that friend in school that's just doing too many bad things, making the wrong choices, you need to say in your mind, Jesus is not done because he sent me today. Did y'all hear the end of that sentence? Because we're fine saying Jesus isn't done. But when we say, but he sent me today, you're going to, nope. I wanted to amen that sentence, but you ended differently than I did. And so, you know, I rescind. Nima, that's amen backwards. Too many times we believe that Jesus will send someone else when he sent you. Let's quit praying that Jesus sends other people. Let's start praying that Jesus would send us. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? It's difficult, isn't it? You may be sitting there going, well, Kyle, you don't understand. I, I can't share Jesus. I, I don't know how. I bet you do. You just don't want to. Because what we fall in love with, we'll talk about the most. We'll just share it. It comes out of us. It can't help itself. What we fall in love with will come out in our conversations. 
That's why I often hear as I'm preaching, a lot of times I'm going to talk about my family. I remember as a preacher's kid sitting in the pew and hearing my dad share stories about me and just crawling in my skin, thinking, oh, no, here it goes. He'd start by saying something like this. I want to tell you what happened this week with Kyle. And all of my friends in the youth group would go, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, no. And he'd share a story, and everybody, <laughs> except for me. I was going, ooh, I don't want to be a preacher's kid. As a preacher today, I know when my dad did it. He loved me. He couldn't help but talk about his kids, his wife. And unfortunately for my children and my wife, they're going to come up in my sermon often. Because I love them. I'm around them a lot and I want y'all to know them. Because I love them. Because I want y'all to see what I see in them. Because I, I'm going to have experiences with them that you're not, but I want you to hear about it. I want you to experience it with me. I, I want you to hear the story. That should be Jesus for us as well. We're going to have experiences with Christ that are unique. Maybe it was a walk to Emmaus, or maybe it was a disciple now, or a youth camp, or a revival, or just in your living room opening your Bible. And you have this moment with Jesus that's just rich, like that moment with Andre Crouch in my office. As I heard that that blood reaches to the highest mountain and to the lowest valley, and it'll never lose its power. All I could think is this. Scientists tell us that the Grand Canyon was carved out by powerful water. It carved out these amazing cuts. And that's what the blood of Christ is doing in my life. It's carving out the things that I don't need, that are hurting my relationship with him. And it's leaving behind a masterpiece that you and I can't see, but that only he can. But you know what I need to do with my life? Tell people what it means to me that he still uses me. That he still speaks to me, that he still loves me. Despite myself, his blood never loses its power. I, we seem to think that because we're so sinner-driven you know, that we mess up so many times that the blood has got to lose its pressure at least. But you don't give conditions to God's greatness. You don't have opportunity to diminish his greatness. He is God regardless of us. And let me just tell you, he is God regardless of you and I. And because of that, his blood will never lose its power for you. Or your coworkers. Or your friends at school. Or your parents. Or your teachers. Or the grocery workers. No matter who they are, Jesus can forgive the sins of man. It's powerful. It is by God's grace that we have any part in him. Paul says it. He even says, listen, last of all, the one possibly born at the wrong time, he appeared to me. Paul would say that he didn't deserve God's grace, that he had gone too far, that he had done too much. But even Paul gets it. It's not based upon your record. It's based upon God's greatness, his grace, his mercy, and his love. You don't change God. He changes us. So let me ask you another question. Was his grace 
effective for you? Was it enough? Verse 10 says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Was God's grace towards you in vain? Or are we making much of his grace for us? You see, there's another song I can remember as a kid. It went grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater. Remember it? It talked about how God's grace was greater than anything that we could bring him. The biggest boulders of sin, the smallest of unholy thoughts. His grace was good. And because of that, we could live in his grace. But I think we've been marinating in it enough. Now it's time to share it. Now it's time to talk about it. Now is the time to tell someone that they need it. Because they don't even know that that's the answer they're asking the question to. The last is this. We must speak for them to believe. Do not believe the lie that your actions will do the work. God's truth does the work. Don't just bring an okay life to the story. Your life will break. I can promise you that. If, If you're hoping to be holy enough to share your faith, you won't be. It won't happen. You know why? Because at some point you're going to stumble and you're a bad example of God. You're a terrible example of who Jesus is. So am I. But truth is this, we're not him. We're not him. We get to share him who never stumbles. We get to share him who never breaks. We get to share him who loves us richly. Jesus is that good. This week, many of you started with myself and our staff as we started this study of who's your one you might have downloaded the app and started reading through the bible app who's your one or maybe you grabbed one of the books in the back there in the in the foyer and started that bible study daily it's not long it doesn't take but maybe 10 minutes um but you started and you've you've heard things like let's pray that god would open their eyes their ears their heart He'd remove the heart of stone. You started praying for somebody. God, give me one person. I got that one person this week. He's a family member. And I'm praying for him desperately. I'm asking God to open his ears to hear, his eyes to see. And let me tell you what I know about him. Every Sunday he goes to church with his family. Every Sunday he goes and he sits in a pew. But he doesn't know Jesus. His private life is wrecked. He's going down a bad path. And he's one of my relatives. And I'm praying for him. And this morning, I went out. And in our lobby, there's a sign out there. You can see it if you walk straight out the middle door. I put his name on that sign because he's my one. I'm asking that God would speak over his life during this month. And that God would give opportunity to share Christ with him. Today, if I make that call, he'd probably hang up on me. But you know what, I'm praying this month that that phone call is open. That in the meantime, while that phone call is waiting, that someone is talking to my relative. That he would encounter the truth of Jesus Christ and wouldn't just be going through the motions. Who are you praying for? Who's your one? Who are you saying in your life needs Jesus like you needed Jesus? 
Who are you saying that needs to hear the truth of the grace of God for them in Jesus Christ? If you have your one at the end of church today, I'm going to ask that you go out in the foyer and you write their name on that banner. The reason is this. As a staff, we want to pray for your one. We want you to know that we're with you, that we're praying alongside you, and that today we believe that Jesus can save their life. So we need to know who's your one. I'm praying that you're praying for them every day. They're lifting up before the Lord and saying, Lord, would you speak over my one? And that we would be known as a church that one by one see the greatness of the grace of Jesus for us and the need of sharing God's grace with everyone around us. Who's your one? Maybe today you are the one. Do you know this, that every Sunday these pews are prayed for? That someone in this room comes through and touches every pew all over and today you were prayed for in that prayer we ask the Lord Lord would you speak to that person that's here today that doesn't know you I've given you opportunity in fact I'm not going to change that opportunity here in a minute we're going to have a time of invitation we do it every Sunday during that time we invite people who need to pray to come and kneel at the front there's nothing special about that you can kneel right where you are you can sit you can stand and pray but this morning, we also have people that stand up front, and we, we wait, and we want to pray for you, and, and we want to talk to you about Jesus. And maybe today, you need to do that now. But maybe you don't want to walk an aisle. At least not this way, not to be seen. But you would walk backwards. And you'd go find one of our deacons or their wives. Remember our deal? Hand over heart. They'll find you, I promise you. They won't let you stand alone, and they will not make fun of you. I promise you this. They'll celebrate with you. They want you to know Jesus Christ. So there should be no reason this morning anyone in this room should leave without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you are the one that we're praying for. So, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you just right where you are, just bow your head and close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything fancy. Just for a few small moments, I'm just going to ask you to prepare your heart to hear from the Lord. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? This morning, do you know for certain that you know him as Savior and Lord? Just in the quietness of this moment, no distractions, just you and the Lord. Do you know him for certain? Do you know for certain if you left this room today that you would have 100% certainty that you would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you know him? I just plead to you, from my heart to yours, do not leave the room without answering that question, yes. Don't leave this room without knowing for certain you know Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for us, and then our team will be up on stage to lead us in one more time of worship. I'll have guys down here with me that we're going to be here just to pray with you, Talk to you about Jesus Christ. Do not leave this room without knowing Jesus. Father in heaven, God, I just pray and I ask, would you speak over hearts? Lord, would you open hearts and ears and eyes to see you? And God, would you give boldness, Lord, to not leave this room without knowing for certain that they have a relationship with you? Lord, the Bible says that we all have sin. 
We've all fallen short of God's glory. Because of sin, we have a problem. We can't know you as Savior and Lord with sin. But you are a rescuer. Lord, by the blood of Christ, because he died on behalf of the sins of man, we have a way. Belief and faith changes everything. Lord, we believe because of Jesus Christ's blood shed for us on that cross. Because he died and rose again and lives, we have a way to be with you for eternity. But sin's in the way, and the only way we can get rid of it is to give it to Jesus and let his blood cleanse us clean of sin. Because of that, we can not only be free of sin, but we can then have a relationship with you. But God, we don't want just a one-moment experience. We want a life change. We're not only Savior of our lives, but Lord. We believe that salvation. We're no longer leaders of us. You are. We no longer have to struggle through. You help us. God, on our worst of days, we know where to go. On our best of days, we knew who to hang out with. It's you, God. It's you. And today, Lord, I pray that there's someone in this room that needs you. And that they would not leave there without knowing for certain that they know you as Savior and Lord. Let us repent of those sins. Get rid of them. Turn aside. Throw them away and never go back. God, we want you. So, Lord, through repentance, through faith, and through belief, we believe you can save our lives. May you do that this morning, Lord. Lord, would you lead one? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me all over this room? This is your chance. You can come this way, you can go that way. But we all want to know that we're going one way when we leave this room, straight towards the heart of God. Are you ready? Let's worship.